Hey everyone, Rafe here. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Faces and Feels. Uh, before we jump straight into the episode, I just wanted to hit you with a quick public service announcement. Uh, promotion that's near and dear to my heart, Deathmatch Down Under, Australia's premier deathmatch wrestling company, is currently in a, the midst of a big funds drive to try and establish their own venue in Melbourne, Victoria. Now, this is a really exciting concept for me, though I don't live in Melbourne, the idea of them having a place to put on shows regularly, to stream on IWTV, to put out more content, to help develop talent, all the things you can do when you have uh, your own location seems like a really, really exciting prospect to me. Uh, if you look at somewhere like H2O Wrestling run by Matt Tremont, that's a perfect example of what can be accomplished when you have a space like that. I imagine booking venues and doing things like that and selling the idea of bringing a deathmatch company to your venue isn't always the easiest thing to do. And so, yeah, they're trying to get that done uh, and they really want to make it happen this year. But in order to make that a reality, they really need your help. So please head over to 3011arena.com.au. That is 3011arena.com.au to check out all the ways you can help. They've got all sorts of packages um, and nothing goes unrewarded. So there's various tiers starting from as little as $10 making your way all the way up to $1,000 with perks and merch and uh, being part of the mural, being literally a part of the fabric of the venue, free tickets to shows. All of these things are available uh, and you'll be helping a great cause and helping a great community that they're building over there in Melbourne. So please check out 3011arena.com.au and support Deathmatch Down Under. And with that said, let's jump into the show. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. It is one half of BDE, that's Big Dude Energy. It's the one and only Ricky Gilmore. How are you today, sir? Very good, my friend. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Very humble. No worries. I'm very happy to have you on. Uh, we were aspiring back and forth over some TikTok memes and shit the other day and having a laugh. And I was like, we should just do this in real life. So <laughs> so stoked to get you on and talk shit with you today, man. I think if anyone knows me, shit talking is probably what I do best. And usually people have to shut me up. So um, I, I don't know if we have a time cap today, but if we do, just shut me up before we... <laughs> Before we have to go off, so. Look, we could go for a, about as long as it takes for my wife to start bashing on this door being like, you need to feed me now. So we'll go go until then and we'll, we'll sort it all out. So let's kick straight into it, bud. Um, we, with the show, only one question I start with, man, and that's when you think back to how you got into professional wrestling, what were some of the first faces that stood out to you and really started to draw you in? Um. I think I'm probably going to give you the most basic answer you probably ever get on, on, on this show, but I still remember the first sort of wrestling experience I had, first pay-per-view I seen live. I went to one of my dad's mate's house and he was streaming. It was SummerSlam 2001. Was, uh -huh. I just remember, I don't remember any of the show. All I remember was The Rock versus Booker T and uh -huh. that match stood out night and day the rock was the most charismatic thing i'd ever seen at you know seven years old i think i was just yeah. like wow this is incredible uh -huh. um i'm absolutely captivated but then funnily enough i didn't watch another wrestling show for a whole nother year wow um then the next one i watched was SummerSlam 2002 <laughs> uh, and then the match that captivated me that time was rock versus brock so but in that match, I was captivated by Brock. Brock was yeah. you know, this larger than life, just huge behemoth. I think that's kind of what's cool about wrestling is how half the time, you know, we're pretty normal people and you see someone like Brock Lesnar doing what they're doing and you go, wow, that's larger than life. That's something completely special. You know, that, that's the magic of it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you'd be surprised that I actually haven't had The Rock or Brock as the answer that many times. <laughs> you may even be the first. Like, I think people, like, sort of reference them, but quite often I get, like, a lot of, you know, Hulk Hogan's and Macho Man's and Ultimate Warriors and Vader's and stuff like that. But I, but I think you're actually the first, like, just straight up, just straight up. Say the Rock was like your your first dude, and I can completely understand it. Like I often tell stories about watching it with my dad, and even to this day, even though he doesn't watch it and stuff anymore. But if I show him something, you know, he'll be like, eh, "It's not exactly Stone Cold and the Rock, though, is it, mate?" You know what I mean? Like he just is obsessed with them to this day. So that's the power. Of somebody like the Rock, you know. I think it's cool, like you know, us still being wrestling fans. That um, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 28 years old, still being Child. a wrestling fan. At 20, I think people turn around and say, "Oh, it's the most common thing." Oh, the Rock still wrestling? Is Stone Cold Steve rest- still wrestling? Mm-hmm. Um, is John Cena still wrestling? Those names still just get thrown out yeah. every now and then. It's a, it's a testament to what they did. Absolutely. So. Well, they they transcended the wrestling business. I mean. You you could argue that The Rock is probably like the biggest Hollywood star in the world. You know what I mean? To the point where he's, you know, probably considered an actor even almost more than he was a wrestler. You know, statistically, I'm pretty sure he's been the highest earning actor in Hollywood the last two or three years in a row. So exactly. I saw a, a great uh, meme the other day that was like, <laughs> it was like The Rock, like The Rock, we need you to do another adventure movie, and he's like, nah. And they're like, it's in a jungle, and he's like, huh. <laughs> suddenly interested in it because nearly every movie he's done like these like jungle adventure I think The Rock is one of the few people in Hollywood where you sort of sit there and say you know you look at any sort of role and you say yep you pick the actor to match the role whereas you know I think The Rock is they're creating roles just to suit The Rock absolutely arguably the only one in Hollywood where I would say they're, they're making roles specifically saying I need this to be played by The Rock Absolutely. I, th- I think you're probably dead on like with that. So uh, after you see The Rock and Brock um, as your second match ever and you're captivated by Brock, does that start to get you into it? Like do you then, you're a little bit older now, do you start to seek it out and, and like catch more wrestling? Yeah, so sort of 2002 to four, that ruthless aggression era was really where I started watching as much as possible, but didn't have Foxtel or anything like that, so couldn't watch it on a regular basis. My, my viewing was and classic throwback here. I used to go to Blockbuster every week with with mum, and mum would say, you're allowed to pick one wrestling DVD to take home for the week. So yeah. I'd pick my one wrestling DVD to take home for the week, and it would be something from that era, you know, whatever the latest release was of that pay-per-view, and I'd go through and I'd watch um, and then I think after about sort of six, seven months of a, a new one every week, I'd been through the entire catalog at Blockbuster and rented sort of two or three of them three, four times over. Mum kind of realised, you know, maybe this isn't a phase and she started <laughs> buying a few here and there and I'd sit there. WrestleMania 19, probably my favourite pay-per-view ever. I think I've watched that show top to bottom about 10 times. Yeah. Like in the past month. Wow. Like, I, I <laughs> love it. And watch that routinely uh Brock versus Kurt Angle again. And like Brock Lesnar for me in 2003 was like the be all end all. Anything he did, I was captivated face or heel. I was just like, yep, I want to follow this man to hell and high heaven. That's why I'm a UFC fan. As soon as he left you know, really? WWE, it's like, I'm going to follow this man no matter what he does. Wow. Started watching NFL just because he was trying out in NFL. I started watching that, you know, moved to the UFC and I, I followed that man to hell and high heaven. Yeah. Um, but then probably for me after he left in, in 2004 and the very next pay-per-view after WrestleMania 20 was Backlash and the match that captivated me and probably same for a lot of people was uh, Randy Orton versus Mick Foley, their hardcore match at Backlash. Yeah. Um, and I think I had a moment of like, okay, Brock's gone. Now I'm, I'm attached to Randy Orton. Yeah. And just followed Randy Orton from then on for, you know, the next 20 years. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, he's never left, right? He just, he's just stayed consistent forever. So you, you're still big into WWE? Like, have you uh, enjoyed, like, Brock's recent stuff and things like that? Yeah, I I think to everything Brock does is, is gold. Yeah. Um, I know it probably shit a, a lot of people. You know, some of the stuff he was doing, you know, he'd come for six months and he'd disappear for, for another six months. But to me, I think there was a marketing brilliance in that and saying – oh, yeah, Brock Lesnar is going to be on SummerSlam and then I may not see him for another six months. I have to tune in to see what he's going to do 
And, you know, he'd do something like the match with Randy Orton where he, he's legitimately busted him open with that elbow. That got more media traction than any other match it, the previous two, three years before that. So yeah, regardless of what you thought about it, positive or negative, people were talking about it. And I, there's an element of that that I think people don't give him enough credit for how brilliant he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I think... Back when I was, uh, I, I don't watch and follow WWE as much now, but there was a time when I really was and it got me back into it. And that was during the time, you know, when Brock was the champion and, and he would be off TV for ages. And there was a certain sort of mystique around the title because it's like, when will it turn up and when will anybody have it, the opportunity to get it off this monster? You know what I mean? That was all part of it. And then also, you know, all the dirt sheets and all the talk of, you know, his attitude and fights with people and all this kind of stuff. It's all part of what made him a draw, you know? Which I think all those dirt sheets, I don't know if you ever listened to the Taz show, Taz had a saying that everything's a work. So, yeah, you see an article like that saying that, oh, Brock's attitude backstage, you know, bust up with so-and-so and and they're arguing. I'm like, yeah, it's a work. Yeah, Yeah, they know what they're doing. It's it's going out there to create track. And back to your point, you know, if if he wasn't on the show for three, four months, and you're like, geez, I want my champion to be on the show every every week. Mm-hmm. You knew you had to tune in when he was going to be on the show because, hey, this could be the day that he gets it taken off of him. Yeah. And I want to see that to, to then latch on to the next guy. So I I think the marketing brilliance and that's just not a lot, of, a lot of people give WWE and Brock the credit for it. And I, I think to a lesser extent, probably Paul Heyman, but mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Top yeah. yeah, I would agree. I used to love the Taz show, man. That was like one of my favorite podcasts. He's so entertaining. I I met him at um at Starcast like the when the first Double or Nothing happened in Vegas. He had like a um what's it called? I don't know a talk or whatever where you you kind of go and he's like you know doing a Q and A and kind of talking things like that. And like I got it, I got to meet him very briefly like at the end and shake his hand and stuff. And he's one of my favorites of all time. So yeah, it was pretty awesome to to see him in real life. Absolutely brilliant mind. And I think when NXT did a show out here, I want to say it was like 2014 or mm-hmm. something along those lines, there's, there's a photo of me in the crowd with a, a Taz show sign. So yeah. <laughs> he's awesome. certainly a big fan. That's awesome. I, I love his commentary on AEW too. Like I wish he was just on the main show all the time. He's always been one of my favorite commentators. So like uh, just everything he does, I reckon he's so smart. And for me growing up in that sort of ruthless aggression era, that that's the voice of, yeah. of my child. Absolutely, yeah. And then when he becomes a podcast, it's like, great, I can listen to more Taz. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, we're doing, uh, at this point, you're watching The Ruthless Aggression. You're seeing all this stuff. It When I was getting into it, I was kind of much like you. I was renting VHS because I'm a little bit older than you. God, so much older. Uh, and, <laughs> and I was renting it. It's, it's the same story, though. Um, we're... Were you like having friends that were into it as well, or was it really like kind of a solitary sort of hobby for you? Like I tried to get a couple of friends into it, but nobody really was. So it was something I'd watch on my own or like with my old man or whatever. Um, and never really until I moved to the city in like you know the year two thousand or something like that, I met a couple of friends who were sort of into it. Like, was it pretty solitary for you, or did you have a, a group of people into it? Uh, in terms of like the friends aspect, completely solitary. I think a lot of wrestling fans will know this. Like. Sometimes you're the only one talking about it and going to school and asking around, you know, you're labeled a nerd and, and whatnot. Yeah. But I think, I think I was a little bit lucky. I had a, I had a twin brother and so oh, really? he and I would sit down and watch all these shows together. And cool. I think growing up, we had very opposite tastes in, I feel like I was more attracted to the heels of wrestling. So especially when, you know, Randy Orton was doing the legend killer gimmick and, yeah. you know, legacy and all that i was just like this is the best where my brother loved the undertaker loved triple h during his face run they were his people yeah and i, I was just gravitated towards the heels <laughs> that's cool though because then you don't have to share the toys or anything everybody knows who's got who's in it 100 percent, 100 mom and dad are asking questions about the psyche of the one who likes all the bad guys so. yeah yeah she's like this is the one we've got to watch <laughs> yeah. um is your brother still into wrestling? Has he trained as well, or was that, that something that you just did? No, he's not trained at all, and I don't think the kid's ever stepped in, into a gym in his life. <laughs> People actually sit down and, and look at us, and they say, you're the twin brother of 
you know, big dude energy, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah, very polar opposites. I think he, he's more fallen out of wrestling, but he still, you know, knows enough and would probably, you know, catch one or two things on his newsfeed every, yeah. you know, every week or something that keeps him enough in the loop that, you know, yeah. maybe I could have a conversation with him if I really wanted. Like, he'd, he'd know who all the champions are today, but he wouldn't know any matches they've had in the last 12 months. But, yeah, yeah, just that kind of, like, peripherals. The same as, like, if you're into a sport or whatever. Like, for instance, I I like NHL. It can be hard for me to, like, be, be on top of it or whatever, but I kind of know where everybody's sort of standing and, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. You know. It's also a sort of a... a commentary on the type of content we, we digest today there's just so much out there yeah at any given time you look at wrestling what is it it's it's raw smackdown nxt then you know they've got the network where they're tuning out original content mm-hmm. every week and that's just wwe you know wwe themselves are probably putting 10 hours of content out every week it's a lot for any one person to, to stay on top of but you know yeah. then they're, they're putting it out on their socials in form of reels and mm-hmm. And just videos everywhere, so you, know, you can stay on top of it if if you really want to. But at the same time, there's a lot out there that some people just they lose it. Yeah, and it can be overwhelming as well. Like you can, some people, especially if you're kind of a completionist type fan, you can feel like it's too hard. Like if I can't be on top of everything, then I'm out of it. You know, like because it's too hard. Like I need to too much stuff for me to follow. In reality, you probably don't need to be on top of all that stuff, but it can it can feel that way if you're that type of fan. You know? You need to be emotionally invested. And, and for me, and I, I have this discussion with a lot of people when it comes to actually consuming and watching wrestling, um, and I probably get a lot, of, a lot of flack for this, I actually don't watch a lot of independent wrestling. I don't watch a lot of Japan. I don't watch any Ring of Honor. I don't watch any AEW. I, I don't know if you'd consider AEW an independent at this point. Um, but outside of WWE, the wrestling content I ingest outside of actually going to shows and, and watching my friends on shows and you know being in the locker room is pretty much zero and a lot of that is just because growing up on wwe i was so just invested in in their storylines and their characters that they built so you know being a randy orton fan for for 20 years i'm not leaving that behind i've invested 20 years of my life into watching this character develop and grow and build same as brock lesnar i know he's not on the shows as as often as not and then you know you add in a new wrinkle a new element of with new superstars, I'm like, okay, cool. I want to follow this guy now because he's done so and so with this person. I'm attached. All all this emotional investment I've built over the years. That's I'm not giving that up. Yeah. Regardless yeah. if the product is, is as good as it could be or if it's the best product out there. But for me, because I've invested so much emotionally, that's enough for me to say I want to tune into this product right now. Yeah, and and there's a certain like blanket that comes with that, right? Like the you know, the the music hits, it's raw, it's doing that. I, I like to watch raw, like, you know, and I think there's many, many fans that are like that and are, are very happy, you know, and there's, there's certain fans that maybe aren't. Like, like for me, I sort of fell off a little bit because I just found it a, a little bit sort of repetitive for, like, the kind of stuff I was watching. And plus, I was digesting, like, a lot of wrestling, you know, and it's like there's only much time in my existence. Like, I found myself really drawn to New Japan, um, I really liked the matches. I really liked the characters and I was traveling to Japan a lot. So like it was all part of it. And then through that, I kind of discovered death matches and I start getting into all this stuff that I'm really into. And then that's not as much in WWE. And so I just sort of fall, fell, fell away from it, you know, but that doesn't mean I don't like WWE. You know, that's like what got me into wrestling. That's where all my childhood heroes live and stuff, you know, like me, me and my friends will still get together and have rumble nights where we'll just put on like a Royal rumble and everybody sort of gets a number. So however many people you are, say there's four of you or whatever, I get one, you get two, you get three or whatever. And it's a drinking game. You like have the, have your person and you drink when they do a signature move, when they do a finisher or if they eliminate somebody or if they get eliminated. And let me tell you, (laughs) that's an effective drinking game. And so (laughs) we've done every rumble that's ever existed, you know, and I, we just love like watching those kind of things but I don't feel the need anymore to actively tune into the weekly shows. But again, I, I, can't, I know what's going on with it. You know what I mean? And I'm always one like cool storyline away from like tuning in and just seeing what's going on and stuff. And I'm pretty interested. Triple H is one of my favorites of all time. And now he's booking it. And so I've kind of like got an eye on it. Like 
what's going to happen. I, d- I think there's like room in fandom. I don't know. People like to pick sides and I don't think that's necessary. I think you just watch whatever you want. And if you're, if you're not about something, then don't put your energy into that until it draws you back. You know, it's kind of its job to entertain you. So, you know, whatever works. Well, I, th- I think you can pick a side. It's, it's more a case of don't denigrate the other side. Oh, well, yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I think so much has been made of, you know, you know, think of wrestling as a pie, right? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's fighting, and it's a classic analogy, but everyone's fighting over the pie. They want a bigger slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Well, f- fuck it. If if we actually grow the entire pie and everyone's slice of the pie stays the same, you're actually getting more pie, right? So why can't we <laughs> just pie. grow the more pie, right? <laughs> grow everyone. Like, why, exactly. why does AEW's growth have to come at WWE's expense and vice versa? Exactly. They can grow at the same time and wrestling as a whole can grow. It's the same on our independence here in Victoria. You know, you, you don't have to just be a fan of MCW or PCW or DMDU or APW. You can go to all these shows and still yeah. support every company. You don't have to just pick one and say, you know, I, I don't I, I prefer this company, so I'm not going to go to any of the other ones. Yeah. Go to whichever one you want. Support pro wrestling. We're, we're all one business. It's not. Absolutely. I think some people make it out. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you say, like grow the pie, everybody can get in and you know what, you're going to have certain flavors of that that you like and certain you don't. And then you know what, maybe one week, this pie over here is the one you feel like eating and this one, another, you know what I mean? There's, there's no rules. So I think some people put themselves in that box and fear and close themselves off to different companies because they feel like a loyalty to what they really like and they can do that. But it's a, it's like, like you say, you can you can leave yourself open, or at the very least, don't uh, don't feel the need to push negativity on people for the particular flavor that they like. You know, <laughs> I think I'd also speak for a lot of wrestling fans here. I, I think as wrestling fans, we probably cop enough flack outside of wrestling. I know it's a very niche hobby. <laughs> how many people? And I I don't know how many people I'm speaking for, but I know I can certainly speak for myself. You go into a room and you introduce yourself. And, you know, you say you're a wrestling fan and people are like, oh, isn't that for kids? Isn't that fake? Isn't that this? You know, why do you still watch it? This, that, and you know, you know, we got enough hate outside of wrestling. Why do we need to create more inside of wrestling between ourselves? Why? Yeah. That's always bothered me. It's, it's pointless. So. It's, it's literally pointless. But I don't know. Some people are fucking stupid, I guess. <laughs> uh, so anyway, moving on from the inevitable internet backlash, uh, is that <laughs> is how do does then uh, a young dude is is a fan of wrestling? How does he then start to become a wrestler in Australia? Because it's wrestling's far away. It's a thing in America. You know what I mean? Or at least it seems that way. That's where the WWF is. I know that's how it felt for me as a kid. So then, how do you? begin to train or find how to train like were, were you athletic in high school were you already doing things you know what i mean and then you you found a gateway or did you go specifically looking for this um yeah so it's a, i suppose it's a bit of a weird tale um i think for myself through high school um i played sports as a, as a younger kid um i was pretty athletic as a young kid i come from from a Greek family, so I was kind of forced as a kid to play play soccer. I didn't have a say in the matter. So, yeah, yeah I played quite a bit of sports as a kid. But once I kind of got to high school, I kind of stopped everything. I don't, I don't really know why. I just, in, in my teenage years, just kind of grew out of wanting to do competitive sports, which anyone who knows me, that's not me as a person. I, I love my sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, through high school and my teenage years, I was kind of the – Again, for, for lack of a better term, I was a short, chubby, you know, Greek boy who was, you know, the nerd at high school. I was really good at my math. I was really good at my science. I did specialist maths. I did physics. I did chemistry. I did all these things. I went and studied engineering. That that was, you know, my calling. Um, and it was kind of a moment at sort of 17, 18 years old where I looked in the mirrors, you know, this five foot nothing chubby Greek boy and said, well, fuck, like, you know, formal's coming up. No girls want to go to going to go to formal with you. Um, let's let's start going to the gym, and that was sort of my en routes to sort of going to the gym and and prepping my body. And at no point through sort of my gym journey did I ever think, 
I'm doing this to become a professional wrestler. I think a lot of people will have that story where they say, you know, I started going to the gym because I saw The Rock, I saw Brock Lesnar, I saw all these larger-than-life characters and thought, shit, I want to look like them. For me, it it was completely on the level of... (laughs) Shit, shit, I need to do something about my my physical appearance. Otherwise, a girl's never going to go on a date with me. And that, that was the absolute shallow truth of it. Yeah. But, but kind of through that, you know, everyone goes through that process of, of the gym journey and developing their body and um, just shaking hands with a few people in the gym. Um, got brought on to one or two local shows, uh, shook a few hands, met a few people. Um, and a few people kind of looked me up and down, you know, he said, you got a pretty good physique about you. Do you, do you want to come try out? Um, and we started training at Adrenaline Professional Wrestling, which is based out in Seaford here in Victoria. Um, we are their tag team champions at the moment. So shout out to Adrenaline Pro Wrestling. Um, and just started training there. And it was, it was kind of an on-off, on-off um, journey. Um, but, you know, credit to Adrenaline. They, they taught us a lot in our early years but kind of stopped and then through the pandemic, uh, literally around the corner from our house. So Seaford for me is about a two hour drive mm-hmm. from where I live, but around the corner from my house, um, Relentless School of Pro Wrestling uh, run by Jake Navarra, JXT and Big Rig Fox mm-hmm. opened up. Um, and I looked at Dave. So Dave is actually in real life. He's my best friend. He's, he's my rock. Like I love that guy to hell high heaven. He's, you know, we talked to each other on a daily basis and we looked at each other and said, shit, fuck now or never. We're, you know, 25 years old, 26 years old at the time. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this now and, and we'll give it everything we've got for, for two, three, four years, however long it's, it's going to have us for, we'll give it everything we've got and, and get into it. And just sort of through that, just, I think we worked hard and showed people that we were about business and here we are. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you meet, Dave through training um, at Adrenaline or had you already known him from earlier in life and he was kind of getting into it at the same time? Dave and I met at uni and we, Dave walked into uni uh, week one of class and sat in the middle of class. Anyone who knows Dave is a very loud, obnoxious individual. God bless him. I love him. Sorry for calling you obnoxious, buddy, but you are. Um, <laughs> um, sat in the middle of class and proceeded to just, yell and make himself the center of attention for, for class. And I, I did a double degree in, in engineering and business management. Mm-hmm. And I met him in an introduction to business management class after spending a whole week of doing engineering classes. And I was like, fuck, I hate this class. I don't want to be here. This is, this is beneath an engineering student. I don't want to be here. <laughs> Sorry to all the business shit. management yeah. graduates. But um, I was like, fuck, I don't want to be here. I can't be bothered. And then incomes, you know, Big Dave, fucking six foot two, whatever he is, 120 kilos, just yelling the room down. Fuck this bloke, he's fucking annoying. Yeah. I did not, I did not want anything to do with this guy. Yeah. Um, week goes by, we go our second class, and we sit in the second class, and we're sitting on our tables, and he's five minutes late. Walks in, and there's no seat spare in the room except for the one next to me. I go, fuck, he's gonna sit next to me. <laughs> And he sat next to me and because it was a business class, I wasn't really paying attention. I was sitting, I was actually watching NBA. I was sitting in the back of the room watching NBA. And he sat next to me and he sat next to me and he goes, so you're watching ball, huh? And that was, that was his first word for me. I was like, yeah, yeah, watching, you know, the Cavs game. We're doing this. That. And we started talking, this, that, and the other. And, you know, bit by bit, I was like, oh, he's not, not a bad person. And find out he catches the same train home as me. We both go to the gym. We both actually train at the same gym. And then I'm on the train home and I go to him. If you don't mind, like I actually read on the train home. I'm going to pull out my book. Like I don't don't want to be rude, but I'm going to read my book. And I pull out uh, Brock Lesnar's uh, Death Clutch autobiography. (laughs) And as soon as I did that, he goes, fuck, you're a wrestling fan as well. No, And that was, that was it. That was it. That we were best friends ever since. So that's like a bit serendipitous, eh? Like just all these things aligned, and then suddenly you're just like together. I I hated his guts from the moment, first moment, <laughs> and he knows it's like this isn't new information. He's not going to listen to this and go fuck. He hated me, 
but I hated his guts. He was, he was too much for me. I said, no, nah, this is this is not the kind of guy for me, but we, we just had way too much in common that I guess the universe had a way of bringing us together and said, you two got to be friends and you guys got to do something. So here yeah. we are. Yeah. And so you guys are training at the same gym. Obviously, like you said, you meet some people uh, and then do you get dragged into the adrenaline school together or like a, at the same time no, exactly. or does, does one of you start first and then gets the other one to go or? It was actually one of David's friends who's a ring announcer there for Adrenaline at the time mm-hmm. brought us down and said, you know, if you guys are serious about it, I know you're both wrestling fans, come down to the school. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have you. So that was that was kind of valiant. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and what's your first day of tryouts look like? Because I always like to ask people this to kind of paint the picture because when you think about big moments in your life when you do things, it always can be like a little bit nerve wracking and you know, you're picking up weird details and stuff like that. And you're trying to figure out whether it's for you or whether you even want to be there. Was it, uh, what, what's it kind of like walking into like, I guess like a tryout for the first time or whatever, you know, Um, getting in the ring for the first time, that kind of stuff. So I'd kind of done a little bit of research on like YouTube and, you know, just looked around a bit and found a few videos. This is how you do a forward roll, a back roll, yeah, this is how you back bump, this is how you do this, yada, 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 and just watched her on YouTube. Uh-huh. And I went down, me and Dave went down to our local gym that had a boxing ring. Uh-huh. And we started doing rolls and bumps in a boxing ring before our first day at Adrenaline. Uh-huh. Um, so then walked in our first day at Adrenaline and they go, all right, this is how you do a front roll. And I'm sitting there, you know, good student. Yes, I'm listening, but in the back of my head, I'm like, yes, I, I know how to do this. Yes, I'm, this is exactly like the videos. This is exactly as I've practiced. Like, all right, you want to give it a go? And bang, first go. Yeah. Perfect. Everything we did, perfect that day. And like, I don't want to sound cocky. I don't want to sound like an asshole. But everything we did that day just worked perfectly. And like, all right, sweet. You guys will be fine. Like, come back next week. You know, we'll, we'll teach you a few things. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to, like, pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So, if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, that's cool. So you, you guys basically did the, the kind of pre-research and, and put in a little bit of work before you even walked in the door that first day, basically. Yeah, and to the gym story before, David and I had been going to the gym for sort of five, six years to yeah. that point. Oh, wow. So at that point, you guys had been fast friends We'd for a long time. Yeah, okay. I was doing CrossFit at the time. I was, yeah. you know, peak physical condition, as, as good as I'd ever looked, yeah. like, yeah, so we were physically ready to go from day one and we took – we're not the kind of people to half-ass anything. We said if we were going to do it um, mm-hmm. and actually they were asking us to come down weeks in advance and I think we kind of delayed it for like two, three months because I, I was worried my cardio wasn't up to scratch and Dave yeah. was worried his cardio wasn't up to scratch. So we spent sort of two months just, you know, going on runs every day because, you know, we wanted to be up to scratch. Yeah, wow. It, it must be like a really – kind of cool thing to have that partner in crime. Like you two are both completely on the same page. You're legitimate best friends. You want the same thing. And then you can work at that together. You know, it's one thing to go, oh man, I need to get my cardio up. I've got to change up my schedule and I need to run every day or whatever. But when you've got someone else that's like, let's go, man, we're doing it together kind of thing. That must really help motivate you both. Um, I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak for Dave here, but I, I think I am speaking for him. Uh, we're both super competitive individuals, so I think with, with both of us, it's not actually a case of supporting each other, saying, "Hey, man, you know, go go to the gym today and make sure you get your workout in." I think it's more a case of like 
fuck, I got to go to the gym today because I, if I don't, I know Dave's going to go and Dave's going to get ahead of me and he's going to look better and he's going to be <laughs> and he's going to be faster. Like, I can't have that. I'm going to go in because I know, you know, Dave benched, you know, 120 last week. I got to go to the gym today and I got to bench 120 for an extra rep than him and I'm going to take a video and I'm going to send it to him and I'm just going to say, there you go, fucking one up. And so I think for us, it's, is more a case of being too competitive for yeah. our own good rather than supportive. But in its own fucked up, toxic way, that's our way of being supportive. Yeah, so. I mean, pettiness works too. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever yeah. gets you going. <laughs> the results are the same, and so that's all that matters. But, you know, uh, it, that that friendship and that rivalry, I, I think, I mean, who was it that said it? It was maybe, maybe Triple H or somebody was, was like, Wrestling isn't a team sport, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a competitive sport and, you know, you're always fighting for your spot. And so doing that, you know, together at the same time, but essentially preparing yourselves for, you know, to, to be good at your career and at what, what you want to do is really important, you know? Uh, but it's, it's also a case of, you know what, if we're that competitive with each other, nothing anyone else is going to throw at us is, is going to compare to what Dave throws at me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, because we're as competitive as we are with each other, we have each other's respect. Yeah. And I know if he can survive anything, I'm going to throw at him. He can survive anything anyone else is going to throw at him. And if he can't, I've got his back and I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm the one there in his corner. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. Um, so where then does the – so you guys obviously say you're going to make a go of it. You're obviously real good friends. Are you – already like thinking we should be a tag team or are you originally training to just kind of be wrestlers and then the the like bde energy comes later no it was it was always if we do this we're a tag team there was never a thought of Uh us being individual wrestlers and i'm only in it as long as dave's in it if dave woke up tomorrow and said i can't do this anymore i don't want to do this then that means i don't want to do this because i'm not doing it without him yeah, I don't want without him. Yeah, oh, that's that's awesome, man. I I find that, uh, I mean, I've always been really drawn to tag team wrestling. Like, uh, my my first favorite tag team ever was, you know, the Legion of Doom, Road Warriors. I rented every VHS that you know had those spike shoulder pads on the cover. Watched anything they did, Survivor Series and stuff like that. And I always love it when there's like real tag teams. You know, when it's not this guy and this guy together, you know what I mean? It's like a unit. And I, I love that you guys are, are doing that and, and want to do that. That is really there, cool. There's a big lack in Australian wrestling of hundred percent dedicated tag teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you see it a lot where this guy's not really doing anything. This guy's not really doing anything. Let's just put them together and hope something works. Yeah. Um, and we never wanted to be that We From day one, we were always going to be a tag team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the time people uh, and like the stories use it, I guess, as a vehicle to have the inevitable breakup, right? Like that, that's the, ve- everybody's trying to redo, you know, the rockers, like is what it is. It's that, that first great moment. So they want to have that thing. And that story is always really cool and stuff. But I think there's something really special when you have that team that never does that. You know what I mean? Like no matter what they're about. And like, we don't even want to tease that because yeah. in real life we're best friends. Like the, we we're on the same page about everything. There's, yeah. there's so why would we not be on the same page about everything in the ring? Yeah. The, the, it, in terms of the psychology behind it, why would we not be on the same page in the ring? Why would why would I ever tease that I'm gonna break up from him? Yeah. Well, why would he ever tease that he's gonna break up from him? Because that's not who we are in real life. That's it's not, it would read yeah. false, exactly. It, it wouldn't. It's, it wouldn't read true, and especially when you're you're standing here going, "If he doesn't do it, I don't do it." You know that that says something. You know, and that's that's not because I don't love wrestling. I love wrestling to a passion. Yeah. If if he stopped doing it, I'd stop wrestling. I'd still be involved in it. I'd still go to shows. I'd still support my friends. I've I've made a shit ton of friends over the past twelve months that you know I'm so thankful for because of wrestling. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to get in the ring because I. I don't want to do it without it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So where does uh, where did the idea for the BDE gimmick come from? There's there's a bit of contested theory <laughs> behind it and I, again there's no real consensus answer cuz it kind of again to every 
the, the classic wrestling saying the best characters in wrestling are just yourselves dialed up to 11 mm-hmm. and BD is literally us. Like that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I want to give credit to our coach, Jake Navarro. I think we were, we were in a class one day and we were just walking around. We were just practicing circling the ring at the start of the match, circling the ring. And he goes to us, you guys are two of the biggest blokes in this gym you need to circle the ring like you do when you're in the gym after you've just smashed a massive fucking bench press and walk around like you've got that big dick energy. At which, spoiler alert for anyone who didn't know that BDE, Big Dude Energy, was a play on big dick energy. Here's, here's your clue. Um, the worst kept we, we had to do it. There's too many family-friendly shows. We couldn't be big dick energy. Yeah, um, no, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. So we, I think we literally looked at each other after the session and said, you know, Jake's right about the big dick energy kind of comment. I think just in general and the characters we were going to portray mm-hmm. and one of us turned around and said, there's something in that big dick energy. Like maybe that could be, the ta- and uh, again, it was like, let's just clean it up for family friendly shows. Mm-hmm. You know, big dude energy. There you are. So yeah. I think it's it fun for everybody that way. You know, it's like everybody gets the double entendre, but then it's also fun and, you know, and all that stuff. There's, there's a small little bit of hilarity when we're on those family-friendly shows and there's eight-year-olds in the front crowd chanting, BDE, BDE, and they have no <laughs> idea what they're <laughs> chanting. <laughs> a bit worried about that one, but uh, we'll, let, we'll let it go. Um, I, I got to talk to you about um, you, you guys, obviously, because you uh, work so hard together and you guys want to be a tag team, like your combination moves and stuff like that, like your finisher particularly really like stood out to me. I was like, man, that's cool. I haven't seen that before. Like, that's always, like, I used to love and always do love tag finishes, dedicated yeah. ones, not just, like, the singles guys both do theirs together or some of that bullshit. I like yeah. a new, like, dedicated move. So was that just you guys playing around, trying to make up something devastating, like, that would involve you both? Um, yeah, and I think it's a little bit of just me being a massive Seth Rollins fan, so I wanted to work a stomp in there somehow. Yes. And I think that was the best way we could do it, and it, it was a case of let's come up with a, a tag team finish that no one had ever seen before. And I think yeah. when we started spitballing, it was this... I haven't seen this before. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever done this. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd probably have a better knowledge than I do, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything similar. And I, ha- I haven't very- seen it before, which is why like things like that always stand out when I'm like, oh, that's something new like that I haven't seen. Yeah, and I think also for the sake of it, in, in terms of the setup and, and the positioning of it, we wanted something where it was like, you know, this this is a setup, but you know, if, if you were an opponent, you could reverse it this way and this could lead into this spot mm-hmm. and you can get into it multiple ways. There's so many variations of how we could go into it and how you could hit it and how it could be reversed that we're like, there's, there's just options galore here and that's kind of why we settled on it. And yeah, I, I don't think there was ever any any sort of second thought. And again, onto the, the double entendres, the... Um, the move is called the big dude slam move, which uh, a bit of BDSM. So, <laughs> and that also popped me when I, I heard it for the first time. I thought that was super fun. And yeah, it's one of those ones that you can like literally hit on anyone as well. Yeah, which is which is perfect, right? Like all of those boxes ticked and just storytelling galore and all that kind of stuff just all wrapped up, which makes it so cool. We've hit it on people that weigh 150 kilos. We've hit it on people that weigh 50 kilos. So, yeah, again, yeah, super, super fun move. I love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you guys always trying to, like, uh, come up with new combination stuff and, like, you know, rocking stuff in training and thinking all that kind of stuff through? Yeah, and for us, I think there's there's levels to it. You want those big sort of fuck off, like, holy shit, massive tag team moves. Mm-hmm. But then just also uh, it's the little things that make tag teams great mm-hmm. is the little transitions between tagging in and how do you go from this move to this move and, and make things as seamlessly for, for your tag team partner coming in that I think make the difference. And that's probably the biggest learning point for us. It, it probably has been the biggest learning point is to say, all right, here are our cool big double team moves that we're going to do together. But what what's the little stuff that we can do to show people that, hey, we're, we're a tag team? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there's like lots of little stuff you can do, like all the blind tags and stuff. I think when I think of one of like my favorite um, – things like that, and I, I heard them talk about it on a podcast, but FTR back when they were in NXT, when they were the Revival, 
I remember they were, I think they were the tag champions and they had that like awesome match with DIY. And when they come in, they come in, they're announced, they come in last, they were the champions. They come in and DIY are right on like their corner of the ring. And Dax was like, nah, that's fucked. This is our corner of the ring. So as they come in, he immediately like pushes them back and stuff. It's like, you're crowding our section. You need to get back because this is, you know, and like owning their corner and stuff. He talked about that a lot. And I think that's something that's like quite often sort of forgotten or not really looked at, you know, in tag team wrestling. But they were like very territorial of their their section, which I thought was really cool. I think something, I could be misquoting them here, but it was a quote from from FTR as well, they said why we are the best tag team in the world is we actually obey the tag rules. There's not a lot of tag teams that yes. actually obey the tag rules. You tag in, you got five seconds in the ring together, tag in, tag out. You, you know, those little intricacies that not a lot of other tag teams pay attention to and it's something that certainly our coaches have brought to our attention and something that I think if you watch our first match, we were kind of unaware of that mm-hmm. we're trying to, to get to that point where, you know, we're, we're obeying those tag rules as much as possible. And you, you, that was the intricacy of it to yeah. say, Hey, we could do this big double team fuck off combo, but Hey, how about you work in like a tag in between it to just make it that it's, yeah, you're, 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 you're obeying it. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to work within those constraints, which, yeah. which adds extra flavor to it, which is really cool. Cause you think about some of those, rapid fire tags that those guys do or even when they were heels like uh one guy's about to tag and then then suddenly cash has pulled his leg or whatever but then he's run back and like not being seen by the ref and like they're moving always within those limitations and it like creates way more character and sort of um i I guess flavor to the match rather than just you know blatantly doing whatever you want yeah, and it, and it's it's new. It's 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 an intricacy that not a lot of people have mm-hmm. to say. You know what? We're the best tag team wrestlers because we actually obey the tag rules. Yeah, not yeah. because we hit the most fancy double team moves, but geez, we we actually obey the rules. And technically, all you other tag teams should be disqualified. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. You know, people sit there and say, "How do you win a match?" You know, by by pinfall or submission. There's a third way you can win a match. You can win by disqualification. People don't want to talk about it, but a win's a win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we we're here to make money and win titles and to be the best. And so we we don't want to get disqualified. We want we want to win. Like is, is the point, right? Exactly, and that's the beauty of it. That's that's the intricacy that they've they've taken to the next level. Yeah, that's awesome. And you even think about like their finisher and stuff, like. Uh, they hit that out of nowhere. It's like very fast, you know, and it's not the kind of thing that it's like would take a longer than your five second count to actually set up. You know, it just yeah. comes out of nowhere and you're like, Oh shit, he hit that. And the other guy's gone and like, he's pinning him or whatever, like that kind of stuff. Same with your guys move. It's super fast. You can drop it whenever you need to kind of thing. That kind of stuff's important. If you're taking 10 seconds to, you know, get somebody on your shoulders and mess about and stuff like that, you've already technically broken the rules. Exactly. It's so interesting, man. I'm so cool that you guys think, like, I think it's so cool that you guys think that way and are constantly, you know, actively attacking tag team wrestling and, and thinking through those processes. It's really interesting. Well, that's the beauty of it. Us being dedicated tag team wrestlers, we only really have to study tag team wrestling to say, yeah, this is what we're paying attention to at any point in time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's, what's next for Big Dude Energy, man? What have you guys got planned Besides world domination of all tag teams. <laughs> um, uh, well, we've, we've got a few bookings coming up. But it's just been announced. Uh, MCW on the 10th of September, we will be there uh, teaming with Caveman Ugg against the family. So Rocky Monero and the Pereira. And awesome. I think Big Dude Energy and the Pereira has money written all over it. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a few people sort of point to us and say, the Pereira is a tag team that you should look at. Mm-hmm. And, and replicate where we're essentially the non-Greek Pereira at this point. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I am Greek, but yeah, no. So that that's coming up, um, and then just on top of that, I think we made a big deal last year of you know we did call out you know Rookie of the Year. We wanted to be the best rookie tag team that that anyone had ever seen, and I think we did a really good job of actually 
bringing that to fruition. We finished the year as double champs, the champs of DMDU and APW, and I think that that was a pretty big accomplishment in itself. Absolutely. When you know we probably thought that you know maybe we'd be lucky to have one or two matches in a year, and here we are, sort of a year later with twenty matches under our belts and and double champs. So. Um, there's a, there's a small case of imposter syndrome at this point. Like it's all happened so quickly. Um, you kind of sit back and say, wow, do we really deserve to be here? Are we really in the right spot? You know, um, but we have a lot of faith in the effort we put in before we got to wrestling training. Like I said, we, we went to gym for a long time. We were students of the game for a long time. We, we did the effort, we did the work. Um, and we have been doing the work for a long time. I think year two for us is just about validating that and showing that, you know, year one wasn't a fluke. We're not just a flash in the pan. We want to keep going and show that we are the best tag team, not just in Australia, but possibly the world, I guess. Yeah, that that's awesome, dude. And like you say, it's being prepared. It's like studying. I mean, in a sense, you've almost been training for it your whole life. You know what I mean? You've been studying the, this niche hobby, this this fun thing, but with that analytical eye forever. And then you were already, you know, building your body, building your fitness for, for your own reasons. And then when you were put in that, that position, Oh, you could come and do this. You immediately started analyzing it and, and training for it in your own time before you even did it. So it, I don't think you should really be feeling, feeling that I can understand why you can, but if you're putting in the preparation, you're putting in the work, it's, it's no wonder that that, the rest follows so fast, you know what I mean? Because where other people have been doing it for X amount of years, but only doing it on the weekends once or thing or whatever, and only half-assing it, you know, it's your full ball, full steam ahead. And that That's really awesome, man. And, and I think as well, like, we're talking about the tail end of COVID too. We're talking about times when we were still dealing with lockdowns and stuff, but you guys still managed to get bookings, still managed to train, and still managed to make a name for yourself in a really short period of time. Ah, oh, there was there was so our debut match was July last year, yeah, wow. and then we went into we went into a lockdown straight <laughs> after, it. Um, and we got we got a lot of hype after our debut. So so shout out to Mile High Club because they gave us the best debut match that I think anyone could have dreamt of. And um, Joel Bateman was in the crowd that day and literally ran backstage after the match and said, "You four again." There's a show in two weeks, DMDU, you're going to be on that show. I want that match again. Yeah, wow. Um, uh, so uh, God bless Jolly gave us an opportunity and, and put his face. Actually, little little known story, we had a, a rookie rumble prior to that and we don't really talk about it as our debut, but, you know, Dave and I got, we walked out with generic theme music as, you know, just under our shoot names as, you know, Dave and, Dave and Connor. Sorry, breaking the fourth wall here. Um <laughs> But you know, we were just you know two two tag team wrestlers, and Joel looked at us backstage. He was on the card and said, "You know, there's a spot in Victorian wrestling for tag teams. If you boys show me something, I'll make sure you're booked, and I'll I'll put you on a card." Yeah. And true to his word, we showed him something, and he said, "Here you go. Here it is. Run with it." Um, and then a week later, we were put into another lockdown, <laughs> and there was there was three months where we sat at home after arguably you know the most it just ridiculous debut that we could have had yeah. and we couldn't do anything about it. And we're just like, shit, there goes all that momentum. What are we going to do? Yeah. This, that, and the other. And God bless Joel. He, he said he was going to give us a chance and he gave us a, a chance right away. He, he put us on the very first dream show as the only non death match yeah. match on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we did really well in that spot and he was more than happy to have us back again. So yeah, there's, there's a, a lot to sort of be said about, you know, how COVID impacted the start of our career. Maybe it was a case of absence makes the heart grow fonder that sort of three months later, people were absolutely itching to see us yeah. again mm-hmm. as opposed sure. to just hear it all is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, we, we want to revalidate that, that rookie year and, and keep going and build on it. And absolutely. I think some, some of the feedback we've gotten, uh, I'm pretty big on feedback. I like to get feedback mm-hmm. after every match. I think I'm the most critical of our matches than anyone but I, I like to reach out as much as possible and get feedback from people. But Josh, JXT, probably the best feedback we get given is, you know, you guys are doing this, this, and this. Um, and you still got this, this, and this that you can improve on. 
and you're still getting these reactions. So imagine when you get everything right, mm -hmm. how much bigger that reaction is going to be. There's, yeah. there's room for growth. There's still a bit more that we can be doing right. As, as much as we may be doing right, I, there's, there's videotapes of us where I, I don't want to send to promoters because I did one thing wrong where my footing got stuffed up five minutes in a match. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. I hate that. I don't want to send that in. The rest of the match may be perfect, but fuck, I fucked that up. I don't want to send that match because I'm I'm not happy with it. Yeah. So like, the, all the little things. Imagine if we get all that right eventually, mm -hmm. how much how much better we're gonna be. So well, yeah. As you say, you've just just completed your rookie year basically, and you're you're into the next, and it's all about attitude and preparation and, and stuff like that. And I, I think you've got that in spades, man. And like I can speak as somebody who has been in the crowd when like BDE has come out and it lights up the whole place. You know what I mean? Everybody's having a good time. It's obvious who you guys are, what you're about, and everyone's having a wicked time with it. So that that's all you can really hope for, you know, and then just go from there. No, I appreciate that. I think for us, when we looked at tag teams to sort of analyze it and what we were going at, mm -hmm. um, we kind of looked at early New Day and, and that's what we wanted to be. Um, when they started off with their power of positivity gimmick and it was just so on the nose, over the top. We were like, if we can bring that sort of, but with like this ridiculous big dude energy sort of aura, um, we didn't know if it was going to be received well or if it was going to be received horribly. Yeah. So when the New Day debuted, it was just so on the nose, over the top that it, it got them booed out of the building and we were prepared for that. We said day one, we're just going to do what we're going to do and we're going to bring that energy. And if it gets us booed, it gets us booed. Yeah. Um, and we were prepared. Yeah, exactly so, right. And yeah. you know what? Either way is a win. Like you could either be the, the, the biggest bad guys or the biggest good guys, whichever works, you know what I mean? And it, it just like, there's a fun vibe to it and the name is fun and you guys kill it and everyone has a good time with it. So, so that's it. That's a win. We, we were so confident that we, we were going to do everything in our power to make sure there weren't crickets in the room when we walked out. And that, yeah. that again, to your point, that was the biggest thing. Any reactions, a good reaction. Mm -hmm. so we, and we were ready for it to go either way. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, <laughs> it all worked out and I can't wait to see what's next, man. Tell the people where to find you on social media, dude. Um, yeah. So on, in, I'm pretty much a, a massive slut for Instagram. So if, <laughs> People want to follow me on Instagram. I'll absolutely love it. It's at BDE underscore Ricky Gilmore. Um, but I do have a Twitter. I believe it's at underscore Ricky underscore Gilmore. Um, uh, there's no Facebook for, for BDE, but uh, maybe we should work on that. But definitely give us a follow on, on Instagram and give, give Big Dave a follow. Of course. Big, Big Dave needs a, needs a bit of a follow. He's at BDE underscore Halfcast Prince, I believe it is. <laughs> well, no worries. I'll make sure all of the... Twitter and Instagram handles and all of that stuff is on the show notes and ready to go. Ricky, man, I want to I want to thank you so much for your time, dude. Like it's been hell fun chopping up with you and talking some tag team wrestling. It's been killer. No, I absolutely appreciate it. And you know, I'll talk to Big Dave. I'm sure he'll want to come on for I'd a show that. and and he can have a chat. And then you know, we'll we'll do a do a three peat where you'll you'll dance with with both of us and see how you fare against BD. Oh Jesus, I would be fucked <laughs> i look forward to it but i actually will be in melbourne for the icw uh dmdu shows uh coming up in october so i'm going to be over there for four days so hopefully uh, i'll see you guys at those shows and we'll get to, to chat it up in person a little bit uh, I, I don't know if i want to speak too soon but i believe you will be seeing bd on those shows oh i love to hear yeah. it I would hope that BDE are on those shows. Certainly as DMDU's tag team champions, we will be hoping that BDE have a presence. Uh, that's what I love to hear. That will be awesome. Well, if, if that does transpire, and I'm feeling confident it might, we'll make sure we catch up for sure, my man. 100% beers on BDE. First round's always on, on beer dude energy. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. That is perfect. So everybody out there for BDE, for Deathmatch Down Under and for Faces and Feels. Remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Yo, thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Faces Fieldscast, or just head straight to our link tree, 
linktr.e slash facesfieldscast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favourite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify, and now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalize Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.